This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch! Larry Legend does it again! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby! How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. So athletes endorsing products is not new, though typically it's clothing, shoes, very rare, though, do you see an athlete endorse a cereal. And we have one here in the Valley. This this morning, courtesy TMZ Sports breaking the news that DeAndre Hopkins will have a cereal coming out shortly, D-Hop's Hop Box, which is, according to this story that I'm reading, similar to Honey Nut Cheerios. The big emphasis here, though, is a portion of the proceeds of the cereal will benefit survivors of domestic violence. So props to D-Hop and the D-Hop's Hop Box. My question to you, B-Train, though, I said rare. It is not the first time we have seen a Cardinals player as far as cereal is concerned. Do you remember way back when a former, now former Arizona Cardinal on a cereal box. Testing your memory here, B-Train. I tend to recall a, a certain player uh, having his name and, and likeness on a cereal box and uh, not sure how good the cereal was, but uh, you know, the, the, the guy was pretty handsome. That's all I know. That, that's all I know. Okay. MJ, do you recall this quarterback – Jake's Flakes. Jake's Flakes, yes. And there, in fact, is a box of Jake's Flakes in the office over by our <laughs> over by our uh, boss, Darren Urban, has a box of this Jake's I Flakes. I haven't seen him bring any milk in. No, no, no. I, I don't even know how old that Flutie box fakes? is. I do remember Flutie Fakes. And, yeah. of course, everyone knows about Wheaties. That, that was the goal of every athlete, right, B-Train? Yeah. Back in the day, as we all date ourselves here, everyone wanted to be on the cover of Wheaties box. No doubt. I mean, because it was it was the pinnacle. You had reached the top of, of popularity if you had your your likeness and your image on that on that box, and and it was the sign of of health and and peak physical fitness. And so everybody wanted to be associated with that brand because uh, champions were generally associated with that. So who doesn't want to be a champion if you play? major sport so that that they, they worked hand in hand back in the day all right speaking of hopkins he had hinted earlier this offseason mj about potentially changing his number he wears number 10 and it looks like he'll still wear number 10 as earlier this week the arizona cardinals announced a handful of number changes but deandre hopkins was not on that list we know about buda baker he's going to wear number three Chase Edmonds, no longer 29. He'll be number two. Byron Murphy, no longer 33. He is number seven. So we're seeing these players take advantage of this rule, MJ, that you can wear single digits at certain positions. Well, considering Hop, I want to say he wore number 10 in in Houston. So 
Um, again, if you're a player, you have to purchase the ones that are still on the shelves. Now, Baker's changed his a third time. Ed Edmonds may not have a lot out there like uh, Byron Murphy, but hey, listen, whatever they feel, you know, you feel good, you play good. So um, it's a new rule and players are taking advantage of it. There is another change, Beatran, and don't take this personally, but Rashard Lawrence will no longer be wearing number 92, and there's a good reason why. He is now going to wear 90. It's his number that he wore at LSU. It was not available last year because D'Amato Petco, yet 92 will be worn this season. I want to get your thoughts because it is going to be a brand-new Arizona Cardinal. Edge rusher Victor Dimukeji has been assigned number 92. Do you endorse this move as far as the 92 being carried on, the tradition that you so established? Well, I'll just say this. If you're going to wear that number, you better be able to get after quarterback because I don't want people riding the pine with the number 92. That, that number is not to be on the sidelines uh, soaking up Gatorade and all that kind of stuff. It's meant to be out there on the field getting after quarterbacks and making big plays. It's associated with, with, with greatness and handsomeness. So if you're going to wear that number, you better be good at what you do, and you better be a good-looking stud. So uh, hopefully uh, he, he fits the bill on both both levels, and, and uh, we'll see how that plays out here once the season gets underway. Is there a significance behind that number for you, 92? Because I actually went – to into a rabbit's hole, so to speak, because I was kind of looking up and you know you'd Google search someone's name and at Notre Dame, is it not true that you wore thirteen? Thirteen is my number; it's my favorite number, and lucky for me. But uh, ninety-two was the number that I was given when I was in Denver. Remember, I was out of the league for a year, and when I got back in, they had originally given me sixty-nine to wear, and uh, you know, sixty-nine was a very good year. You know, shout out, but. Uh, I didn't think that it was very becoming of a defensive lineman. And so once I was able to, to impress the staff enough, they actually gave me a legit defensive line number, 92, one that the guy that had worn it before, uh, he, he wasn't with the team anymore. So it was just kind of a, hey, you can wear this number. And I just said, I'm going to make this number one that people will never forget. And once it's associated with me, it'll be one that people will want to wear because uh, I, I – I wanted to make it as, as positive of, of an impactful type number as I can make it, and uh, it just represents the second act of my career. Well, I think you certainly did that in a Arizona Cardinals uniform. Some other draft picks, Zayvon Collins will wear 25, and here's an interesting one, Rondell Moore, 85. And as our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, pointed out earlier in the week, if you have a vintage Rob Moore jersey, MJ, you can break that out. Everything's fine. you got more on the back. Yeah, and enjoy covering Rob Moore, and you know maybe you can look at um, Jerry Maguire and Tidwell. But, yeah, I mean, 85, usually you're starting to see more receivers go in the teens. Um, now you can go single digits, but, you know, 85 was available, and we'll see how he plays because I'm looking forward to watching him. And some of the newcomers, A.J. Green, he's always worn 18. He'll continue to wear 18. Rodney Hudson, 61. Uh, Matt Prater, 5. Colt McCoy, number 12. And Malcolm Butler, he was given the option, and he will wear number 21. It's a number that he has worn throughout his entire career with the Patriots and with the Titans, and number 21 is available. Patrick Peterson moving on to the Minnesota Vikings. Speaking of numbers, Tay Gowan, another newcomer to the Arizona Cardinals, the sixth-round draft pick out of Central Florida. He will be wearing 32 and he understands the significance of that number 32 
uh, actually 32 chose me. Um, I didn't really get to pick my number, so I, I wasn't gonna argue with whatever number they gave me. I'm thankful for the number 32. I'm gonna live up to the legacy because I know a lot of great players have put that number on, so it's my turn. Tyron Matthew and Buda Baker both wore 32. Now, Gowan did wear 23 at Central Florida, so it's just the reverse. So perhaps, again, B-Train, you like to say if you look good, you feel good, you play good. So these numbers, it is a big deal for a lot of players. Most definitely it's a big deal because numbers are, are what you associate your career with. And, and for these men, they understand that with certain teams, certain numbers have different meanings. And to understand that right before – you even step on the field, I, I think that's big. And, uh, yeah, I know to some people it seems frivolous, but it, it's a big deal. It's an identity. It's, it's part of who you are and and what you represent at, at this level. So I think it's extremely important that guys go out there and feel really good about every aspect of their, of their game, including the number that they have on their back. Because, as I said, you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good and if you play good they pay good <laughs> i'm gonna have to get a roster <laughs> yeah, that is true especially with some of these single digits with numbers or with positions that you don't typically associate especially whether it's running back linebacker and then the backfield you've got kyle murray and chase edmonds one two literally it's a one-two punch in the backfield for the cardinals offense and then what, Connor's wearing six? Connor, yeah, James Connor is wearing number six. Now, he, I went back and looked. He wore 30 with the, or 36 with the Pittsburgh, or 30 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, but he had 24 at Penn State. Two plus four is six. Maybe that's why he's going to six. I don't know. I'm just trying to, trying to connect some dots here, MJ. It's, you know, it's a big deal. And we've got lofty expectations. And uh, I love the, uh, I love putting the pressure on Victor Tran because I hope, that if he has doesn't reach out to you, that you at least reach out to him and understand the significance of what he has been given with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and I, I understand that for those guys that are rookies, they, they just want to come in and make an impact. Whatever number they have on their back, they just want to go out and play well. And if they can get a number that they can associate with and, and feel good about, that's just a bonus. But you just want to come in and, and not be the weak link of the team. And if he can accomplish that, then that's a huge, huge step in the right direction. And, and of course, setting the tone with that jersey number, it's, it's, it's something that I, I'm very proud of. And, and hopefully the, the men who will continue to wear it after me will, will look at it and, and, and wear it with a sense of pride and know that um, that number represents success and it, it represents uh, winning. And, and that's what I want those guys to be able to do in that, that uniform is to have success personally and for the team overall to, to get wins and, and put themselves in position to win a championship. I'm just glad Andy Lee or Aaron Brewer didn't change their numbers. <laughs> no, I think they're pretty solid in where they're uh, Andy Lee set. going into his 18th season yeah, the in elders. the same draft class as – no, Larry Fitzgerald. No, which wears – who wears number 11? We'll have to see if he continues to wear number 11. Hey, i got to give a, a correction uh, because it's certainly uh, – it, it was an honest mistake, but you certainly don't want to confuse these two schools. Uh, Connor went to Pitt, not Penn State. At least I didn't say he went to West Virginia because we know that rivalry between those two. Just but, say he uh, went to the same school as Larry Fitzgerald. There Pitt. you go. And we'll just have You'll to wonder if we see – that again, Craig. No, I will not. By the way, we will see these Arizona Cardinals in these new numbers later on this season. Win.
Got the schedule release coming up on Wednesday. And then later this week, these rookies will put on these numbers for the first time. Rookie minicamp begins on Friday. We will touch on that coming up here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Season 4, Episode 1 of the Emmy Award-winning series Cardinals Flight Plan is available now via the Cardinals YouTube channel. Flight Plan takes you behind the scenes of the Cardinals offseason, including free agency, the draft, and much more. Episode 2, by the way, will drop on Thursday, May 20th. Visit youtube.com slash azcardinals. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of the action. We come to you every Tuesday, 11 to noon, all season long, all year long. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Hello. Zavin. Steve Kahn. Steve, how's it going? You ready to roll? <laughs> Steve, we're going to kill everyone. <laughs> we're going to kill everyone. <laughs> And we're gonna get a Super Bowl ring so big on our on our fingers that like show dog wouldn't be able to jump over. I love it, man. I love it. We're good. We'll keep that attitude. Thank you. <laughs> Zaven, Michael Bidwell, congratulations. We're so excited to make you a Cardinal. Enjoy the moment with your family. Okay. Okay. Thank you Enjoy so it. Much. All right. We're gonna put your name in now. Okay. Thank you so Thanks. much. You're welcome. Thank you. Enjoy it. <laughs> Woo. That was emotional. <laughs> Holy cow. Brings a smile to your face. The phone call. General Manager Steve Keim to first-round draft pick Zabin Collins. The owner, Michael Bidwell, on that call as well. You could certainly hear the excitements and the emotion in Collins's voice. The Cardinals' 16th overall pick. The inside linebacker who will be in town this week. That's right. Rookie minicamp begins on Friday, extends through the weekend. But the first opportunity for this rookie class, including some undrafted rookie free agents, some tryout guys, MJ, that get a taste of what the National Football League is like, something last year's rookie class did not receive. Yeah, and we know how much these guys struggle going into the season. So, you know, night and day from a year ago, and, you know, that's where you can make some mistakes and go watch some film and try to not make the same mistakes over and over. Because when the veterans get here, besides maybe the first couple of picks, you're not going to get as many reps. So this is a golden opportunity, and I'm glad that uh, uh, the NFLPA and the rookies are going to be able to show up because it's needed when it, when it comes to the, just the development and evaluating players. And, again, you can make mistakes, but don't make them too much. And just basically figuring out where to go and where to be without an influx of people, you know, 80, 90 guys. It's just a small group, and you get a tour of the facility, and you kind of get more a little one-on-one time with the coaches. This is a big weekend, is it not, B-Train? It is a big week because you want to just be able to, to get your bearings. And once you get your bearings, then things can start to slow down for you. You're already trying to make a great first impression. And part of making that great first impression is, is knowing what you're doing and know where you're going. And so for these young guys, I know that they come in and, and get themselves acclimated. I remember that very well. And it was very stressful before I got to the actual facility. But once I got there and started to to know the the different places to go, then I could focus in on football and get back to the business of why I was originally drafted in the first place. And so they're just trying to get back to normalcy as quick as they can. And once they do that, then you'll start to see them actually make an impact and really help the team. 
Yeah, it's a chance to get your feet wet, just a little bit of what to expect come OTAs, minicamp, and then training camp going into the regular season. And the first time that we will be able to see these players on the field. And the one thing that has been very clear when it comes to Collins, he is an inside linebacker. He is a Mike linebacker, and that is what he will play, despite the versatility that he has in the athleticism. Here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Knowing that he has played middle linebacker, you know, in, in a similar three-down scheme, it won't be completely foreign to him, and, and that's going to help. He, he's a quick learner. Um, he's going to get a lot of time on task, a lot of reps. We're, we're planning on having the rookie mini camp. I think there's some real pluses to uh, the, the history has the position and, and how this offseason is going to go. I know, B-Train, we've talked about this in the past, but because he played the position in college and it's not going to be a change for him as far as what the team is going to ask him to do, that learning curve, it's always steep for rookies, but perhaps maybe not as steep for Collins. No, it's not going to be as steep for him. It's not going to be a, a total change in how he plays. The verbiage is going to be one of those things he's going to have to memorize and learn the new verbiage for this, this defense with Coach Joseph, but... As far as what he has to do on the field, what they're asking him to do, that's not going to change. And so I think that's a huge leg up for him to be productive a lot sooner when it comes to making an impact on his defense. Outside of Collins, MJ, anyone else that you're interested in to see you know, up close or either on video or just to get an idea, see for your own self as opposed to just watching these guys on television or on film? Well, I think you know, you look at the entire rookie class, I'm definitely Rondell Moore. I mean, I don't know how much we're going to see him returning kicks and punts, but just from a route running standpoint, uh, fluidity, when he's catching the football, uh, the two uh, cornerbacks they drafted, the pass rusher. So I'm, I'm going to focus on the entire rookie class. And they can keep these guys at the facility for as long as they want, obviously not 15 hours a day. But there's also things off the field where they talk about, you know, make sure the do's and don'ts, um, financing, uh, making sure you can say no to your family and friends. So it's more uh, kind of a symposium to where it's, you know, it's not just football. You're now a professional, and you better make sure you take care of your P's and Q's. And so, yeah, but I'm, I'm looking forward to just seeing the entire rookie class, and we'll find out, you know, if there's any uh, tr um, tryout guys or guys that are invited because clearly they want to flood a couple of different positions. Those day one and day two picks, B-Train, we always kind of tend to spotlights on those players, and we brought them up earlier in segment one, but the edge rusher, Victor, I mean, how much are you to be paying attention to him this entire offseason just because it's the position you played, or are you, like everyone else, looking at what Collins and Moore might be able to do this season? Well, I want to look at the entire class, but obviously I'm going to pay attention to what I did. And that's what I lock in on. That's what my job is. That's what my business is. So, of course, I'm always going to look at the guys getting after quarterbacks. And, and I always gravitate to that area when it comes to practice and, and, and watching one-on-ones and, and all those type of things. Yeah, you want to see the other guys and how they move and, and what type of athletes they are. But ultimately, whatever it is that you did, that's what you're going to gravitate to. And, and hey, I'm no different than anybody else. I want to see him getting that turning that corner around the edge and, and, and making sure that he's impactful in ways that they drafted him to be. You look you look at Tim Keechy, I mean, they need a pass rusher. I mean, you got Chandler Jones, you got Marcus Golden, they got some guys, you know, Dennis Gardex coming out, so 
you, you got to think that he's going to get an area opportunity, especially in uh, the rookie mini camp, and then we get to training camp and preseason games because you got to find some depth there until Dennis Kardec come back. And, and and the fact is that he's going to get an opportunity this weekend to kind of show his upside. You do have Devon Kennard as well as far as that more edge rusher, but edge. he. Kind of more, he also has the ability to drop into coverage. I'll throw out another name, and it's only a name that we've kind of gotten known in the last week or so, and that is the 23 year old tight end from Austria, Bernhard Sykovitz. Six foot five, 262 pounds. He certainly looks the part of a tight end. And here is someone that is part of the NFL's International Player Pathway Program. It is certainly a position that MJ fills a need. Now the question is, and you certainly love the size and the measurables, can he come in, can he block, can he catch, or is this maybe more of a long-term project? My guess it's more of the latter, but it is a nice storyline going into this offseason. Yeah, and the NFL's definitely tried to grow the game, obviously bringing international players and uh you know i don't think they're gonna have the pads on but i want to see him in training camp i'm sure his, his eyes are going to be wide open um you're not going to have the veterans there he's been quarantined so he'll be able to practice but um it, he doesn't cost a roster spot you know best case scenario for him practice squad you know the cardinals are looking for tight ends um this year and so much in the future considering max williams is only under contract one more year so uh, i'm sure it's going to be different i mean he's been looks like Based on his videos, he's been in shape, but there's a difference from being in shape and then all of a sudden getting into football shape. Well, the Cardinals have had success with this program. Rolando Cantu, the offensive lineman, now part of the Spanish radio broadcast team, was part of this program and actually played in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals back in 2004-2005. So it is a possibility. Of course, all of these rookies very, very excited. In fact, we had to hear a chance to hear from one of them, Tay Gowan, yesterday on what he's looking forward to this week. I'm so excited. I don't even think I'm going to ever leave the facilities. Like, I might stay there. Um, this is my long life dream, and I'm about to take fully advantage of every opportunity. And I want to be one of the fan favorites. B-Train, you've got to look at that facility. It's not out of the question. You could spend a few days there. you got everything you need. you got food. you got shelter. You know, it's, everything's right there for you. Yeah, that sounds good, but he's going to want to get up out of there at some point. <laughs> he's going to want to go home and, and, and chill a little bit. I, I get it, and I like the enthusiasm, and, and I understand his overall mentality. Uh, but when you start talking about practicality, uh, there's going to come moments where it, it, it's time to see a change of scenery. And uh, I like the fact that he wants to be there and he wants to spend a, a good deal of his time there learning and, and, and soaking in all the information that he can get. And that's what you want from all your rookies, all the young players, to, to want to learn and, and to be coachable. Uh, if you have a guy that feels like he knows everything, it's going to be very difficult to get information to him and show him something different, and, and he's not going to be able to grow as a player. So his mentality is definitely what you want. And you just want to tell him as an older veteran, hey, pump the brakes on that a little bit. You know, there's, there's a lot to Phoenix that you'll want to see. You don't want to just see those four walls, even though there's a lot of walls and a lot of space in those four walls. You're still going to want to see something else. Well, let's be honest. These guys have been patted on the back for the last three or four months. Time to get to work. Well, and the other thing is, is I'm sure they've been on the banquet circuit. The coaching staff loves to hear that kind of talk and that attitude because it certainly sounds like you know the motivation as a sixth round draft pick. He's looking to catch someone's attention to someone's eye, and maybe it's one of those things that you, know, you do. You, you rookies are better off seen, not heard. So if you're walking around the facility, 
all hours of the day you get seen and all of a sudden hey i remember that kid he's he puts forth the effort i wonder how many rookies are going to be pounding gatorade tomorrow you got to drink gatorade like two or three days before you get on the field well we do know this practices in the morning so these rookies get a little bit of an advantage it's not going to be in the afternoon at three or four in the afternoon yeah so now also he'll stay at a hotel and the you know the driver will be there at 6 (laughs) a.m yeah don't be late Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, and, of course, this show, The Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. We have hit halftime here on this week's edition of The Cardinals Red Sea Report. When we return, more on Tay Gowan and the cornerbacks, the defensive backs in this year's draft class. Can they make a mark? This season, there's certainly an opportunity for a Tay Gowan and a Marco Wilson. That's all straight ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. With the 136th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Marco Wilson, cornerback, Florida. Smart player, too, and that's what they value. Rondell Moore graduated Purdue in two and a half years, and uh, Zayvon Collins was a high school valedictorian. Marco Wilson, aptitude test, off the charts. Smart player with, the, of course, athletic ability. Yeah, he should be known for more than throwing the shoe against LSU. He's a good player, trained by his father, who was a college defensive back. His brother, Quincy Wilson, also in the NFL. Good bloodlines, good intellect. And someone the Cardinals wanted. They moved up in the draft in a trade with the Baltimore Ravens to acquire Wilson with the 136th overall pick in the fourth round. Cardinals, remember, did not have a fourth round pick going in to the 2021 NFL Draft. As we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry looking at Marco Wilson and Tay Gowan. This cornerback position certainly up for grabs, B-Train, because if you look at the roster at the moment, yeah, there are seven players on the roster that play cornerback, but in terms of experience, you've got Malcolm Butler. Yes, there and Byron Murphy is still, I think, learning the position. There might be an opportunity here. Yes, you're a day three pick if you're Wilson and Gowan, but they could see some early playing time this season. And no doubt. And I think competition is going to be the biggest thing that you see at the cornerback position in in this upcoming camp. And I think for those young guys, they're counting on one of them to really stand out and stand up. And if they can find themselves in positions to – to make plays and, and, and make them consistently during practices. And then once you get into the preseason games, then you have every opportunity to find yourself in a starting lineup or getting significant minutes when you go to sub packages. So uh, there is work to be had. If you are a young cornerback and uh, you're here with the Arizona Cardinals, it, you, you have every opportunity to come in and, and, and make your presence known right away. I think when you look at Byron Murphy, I think he was the most physical corner last year. I think he's getting better. Um, I don't know if you can rely on two rookies if this team's going to, you know, get to the pasture and, and obviously do a much better job in stopping the run with J.J. Watt. I do think they're going to have to go out and somehow address them. There's some veteran corners out there. 
again, the more the merrier flood the position. But if you're relying on rookies early in the season, I don't think that's a good thing, especially in the secondary. Yeah, I tend to agree. I would love to see an experienced guy added and maybe a couple, but maybe we don't see that until later this offseason. Marco Wilson, six feet, 191. Tay Gowan, six foot one, 186. So they are certainly very good size. They've got good speed. They've got good athleticism. But there is one trait that every top cornerback needs. If you listen to Frank Sanders, a guest recently on the Big Red Rage. A cornerback in the draft is a hit-or-miss situation. He can get exposed really fast. And the number one thing in the NFL that they come to try to take is your confidence. And they can steal your confidence in practice. We know 100% you're going to stink it up in the game. So you got to have a cornerback that is confident, whether he is getting beat or not, but he's confident enough to learn the game, and he can overcome some of his failures, but he has the athletic ability and the mentality to want to get better. Some good sound advice there from former Arizona Cardinal wide receiver Frank Sanders. I'll say this, B-Train, though, in hearing from Wilson and Gowan, we've had an opportunity now on a couple of different occasions. They certainly speak confidently, not only in their own ability, but what they can do for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, speaking is good, but I want to see what you do on the field because that's what's going to speak loudest. And I know for a lot of those cornerbacks, you got to have a short-term memory. You can't dwell on plays that happened before because you've got to get it out of your system because if you do, then it's only going to snowball into three or four bad plays, which equals a bad series, which could ultimately equal you not seeing much time on the field anymore. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough spot. If you have a bad play, it could be a touchdown. Some positions are, are more exposed than others. And for cornerbacks, you have to be able to, to accept that role and know that you can't afford to take too many chances out there, but you have to go out there and do what got you to that point. And the fact of the matter is there is going to be competition here with the Arizona Cardinals. I like that. And the, the two gentlemen that they brought in with the draft, I, I think that they're going to come in and, and compete right away, and we'll just see what happens. Short-term memory. That's what you hear a lot from cornerbacks because, yeah, you are going to get beats, and that's just the nature of the position. The one advantage that Marco Wilson has over Tay Gowan is that he played in the SEC, and that means going up against some of the better quality wide receivers and a lot that were drafted in the first two days of the 2021 NFL Draft. Cardinals cornerbacks coach Greg Williams last week on the Big Red Rage talked about Williams' experience in the SEC. I don't believe it's going to be too big for him at all. He's been around it. He started and he played a ton of games in the SEC. So he'll be facing receivers that he saw on Saturdays. He'll be seeing some of these same guys on uh, on Sunday. So it's not going to be too big for him. He's going to he he's got a nice quiet confidence about himself. And there's also a relationship there, MJ, between Williams and Marco Wilson. Williams on the Big Red Rage mentioned that he was with the Colts when they drafted Quincy Wilson, Wilson's brother, and they are still very good friends. And so you have already a knowledge of what they are as a person. Now it's just getting to know them as a player as well. Well, that's that's important just from a standpoint of, you know, that same genes and he can teach him little, uh, you know, things to do as a a cornerback in the NFL, obviously you got to go out there and do it on your own. But the fact that his brother plays the same position, I think that can go a long way. Just having conversations, what do you see, what should I see? Um, you know, don't look at the quarterback's eyes. Make sure you look at the defender. So uh, that can only help him.
Yeah, Quincy Wilson now is playing with the New York Giants. And Mr. Wilson, the father, Chad played at Miami with the likes of a Ray Lewis and a Warren Sapp. So, yes, it is certainly in the bloodlines. The other cornerback, Tay Gowan, a sixth-round selection. He certainly thought he should have gone a lot sooner than that, but we know his story. He did not play less past season, opted out because of COVID-19. He contracted the virus. His young daughter did. His mom did as well. She actually had to be hospitalized, so he made a family decision for him that he thinks might have cost him, but he is certainly very confident in himself and now his teammate, Marco Wilson. I feel like me and Marco um one of the two best corners in the draft. I know why my draft stock plummeted um, because the decision I made, but Marco definitely deserved um, second-round, third-round talent. Um, I think the Arizona Cardinals got two great DBs, and we're going to live up to all the hype. I like what they're saying, B-Train, but to your point, now we need to see it on the football field, and it will be a little bit of a glimpse this weekend, but we'll need to see more of it, of course, during the course of the offseason and ultimately in training camp. The talk is cheap, and, and that's what they were supposed to say. In those moments, what else is he going to say? I mean, that, that there was little choice, and, and I think he said everything that he needed to at the moment. But now, once you actually get to the facility and you put the helmet on and you put the shoes on, you put the jersey on, now you've got to go out there and show why you should have been a higher pick and why you believe that you, along with Wilson, are two of the better cornerbacks in the draft. We need to see that because it's it's one thing to, to be impressive in shorts and shirts and do all of those athletic feats. But can you do that in the confines of a defense and, and really help a defense get better and, 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 and hold your position down and make sure that the opposing receiver does not catch balls on a consistent basis, uh, which could compromise your defense? So if, if they go out there and, 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 and do it, then I think that that is much better than just saying it. And Gowan did do it, but it was two years ago. It was in 2019 when he had a very good season. A couple of interceptions, eight passes, defense. He only allowed 38.5% completion percentage. So there is somewhat of a resume, MJ. It's just not a very long resume talking about Tay Gowan. Yeah, again, a lot of these guys are going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, you know, because they were told you're going to be a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, you know, it, you know. I feel for some of these guys that follow mock drafts because after the first couple of months, 45 guys are supposed to go in the first round. Use it as motivation, but know your role coming in here. Learn as much as you can, and I think we all agree you're better off being seen, not heard. On tape, Tay Gowan has shown enough for Greg Williams to like what he has seen, and he does, as he talked about on the Big Red Rage, like that confidence that he has heard and ultimately seen from the young man. The thing about him is, is once you get to know him, it's not what he says. He actually, uh, he actually lives that. You know, what I mean, he, uh, even even talking to him in the last few days, just putting installs in and talking to him, he's he backs it up by his work ethic. So it's not just talk. A lot of guys can talk it, but you really have to believe it and you have to walk the walk. And so far, since I've known this young man, he has what it takes to actually walk the walk when it comes to that type of confidence. And I think this weekend, MJ, is going to be a big part of that as far as to at least get some initial um, a first step, you know, feet in the water, if you will, whatever cliche you want, and then it will start to become real once you get the veterans back and all of a sudden Gowan finds himself lined up across DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I love everything I'm hearing. It's just it's a, there's a process to it, and, and the, the bigger he's able to pick up the defense and you can't install everything in you know 
three or four practices. But, you know, as they get further in the off season and, and training camp, you know, we'll see how he is in press covers. All these guys have the measurables. They have the athleticism. Uh, they all got a chip on their shoulder. So let the best man win. But it's, it, there's a process to this. Yeah, and it's why I'll go back to just looking at that cornerback room and seeing a lot of young players be trained and really the only veteran that I think the Cardinals know that they can count on is Malcolm Butler. We are all big fans of Robert Alford, yet you just can't count on him. We have to wait and see because if he is Robert Alford that they had signed a couple of years back, I like Malcolm Butler and Robert Alford being that one-two and then Byron Murphy in the slot. Not a lot of experience with the Cardinals secondary, but it's just room for growth, and it gives that many more guys the opportunity to to make an impact on this defense that much sooner. So it's not as if they're being brought in primarily just for special teams. They actually have an opportunity to play their way into more reps as the time goes on. If they're able to continually show that they are worthy of more responsibility, I think Coach Joseph will be more than happy to give them more responsibility and to put them out there and let them go out there and compete against some of the best receivers in the game today. And it's all up to them. And th- and that's how you want it. You don't want it where your your playing time is already predetermined. You want to go out there and, and earn your playing time and have a chance to, to increase it by your level of play. And, and they're in a the perfect position. And I think with this coaching staff, they're going to be given every opportunity to win that time. I'm encouraged with Byron Murphy. I know he plays in the slot and maybe doesn't get talked about. We know teams are going three wide, and usually you face a lot of veteran slot guys. But, I mean, at the end of the year, hopefully he's the best corner on the roster, and then you get some of these young guys. Malcolm Butler's been in big moments. He obviously has experience, so you have to lay, rely on him just an experience standpoint. But the upside, I'm a big Byron Murphy fan. Yeah, I like what they have. It's just a little top-heavy for me, and we know that you need more than just three corners to survive in this league. And to B-Train's point, if you're a rookie, yeah, you want to play on defense, but make your mark on special teams and then earn your way into that defensive game plan. Cardinals schedule. When will the games be played? We'll find that out on Wednesday, and we will discuss the 2021 schedule release Coming up next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Seahawks run the ball off the right side and a big hit by Buda Baker at the 26-yard line. The Cardinals have been much more physical than Seattle. You came up and crushed that dude. Oh, man. Full speed. It was crazy. You crushed him. Full speed. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? No fear. No fear. I ain't scared of nobody. No, you're not, Buda Baker. Wired for sound a couple of years back at Seattle. Buda loves playing on the road against the Seahawks. He likes playing against anyone, but really loves playing for Seattle and that hometown team that he grew up watching. But uh, question is, might we see Buda Baker and the Seahawks in prime time coming up this season? That we will find out officially on Wednesday at 5 p.m. And then speaking of Buda Baker, we direct everyone later that night, Big Red Rage, first time on location since January 2nd, 2020. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and, yes, special guest Buda Baker, live Wednesday from Four Peaks Brewing Company in Tempe, 6 to 7 on ESPN, 620 AM, 
and streaming on Cardinals YouTube and Facebook pages. A complete breakdown of the entire 17-game regular season schedule. B-Tran, they are advertising 2021 as the biggest season in the history of the National Football League because we have 17 games, the most ever in the National Football League. Well, it's the longest football season, so I mean, you can say biggest. I think you can substitute the adjective longest in there. So it, the fact that it's the first time, I mean, they do a great job of, of promoting and and really making something so simple as adding a game sound so so great. I, I give them a lot of credit for that. But um, when you talk about games like Seattle versus Arizona, it's always been a really good game to have on primetime because there's always – something that happens that you just didn't expect. Obviously last year with DK running down, you know, <laughs> our guy, you know, we don't, we don't even, you know, running down booted like that. It, it, it's something that people still show and you still see memes of it. I mean, it, you know, with, uh, with Marshawn Lynch, I mean, there's always going to be those type of moments that you have when you have division rivalry going up against each other. And so I, I think the NFL understands that uh, certain teams when they play each other are going to bring out, certain emotions and and it's good for for television to have games lined up like that i'll give the nfl credit mj they have turned this schedule release which typically is nothing more than a press release into a television event three hours worth of coverage on the nfl network and of course it's a day that everyone looks forward to even though we know the opponents we know where these games will be taking place we just don't know when what order and you know how many home games in a row or how many times you have to go back east or how many road trips you're going to have in back-to-back weeks so it is a fascinating and of course we'll all break it down and then say what the cardinals record is here in the month of may and say oh yeah 17 games they're gonna go 10 and 7 but i think this year because you know a lot of people are vaccinated and the nfl wants to have stadiums full again i think it's for those people that you know the red sea likes to travel um and so you pick out a couple games that you possibly can travel to and so i think it's a little bit different this year where last year we didn't even know if fans were going to be able to show up um you know you look at the cardinals home and away schedule i mean you know, just Carolina's on there. They got a new quarterback in Sam Darnold. Indianapolis is a part of the home schedule with Carson Wentz. Houston's going to have a new head coach, possibly a new quarterback. So it would be interesting, you know, and then maybe the Cardinals will open up on the road, maybe against the Bears. I think the Cowboys game is probably more for a primetime game. Uh, they face a couple playoff teams in the Titans and the Browns, so it'll be interesting. You know, we all look at primetime games. When's the bye week? Um, you know, are you on the road for consecutive weeks? Maybe you can make a East Coast road trip, but I prefer uh, a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback, and that would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. An interesting matchup. That's an away game, though. That's true. You'd have to go all the way to Florida for that one in week one. B-Train, when you played, how much attention did you pay to the schedule? And if you did, what did you look towards first? I always look for the primetime games. I look for Monday night games and Sunday night games because you understood that that was going to be the opportunity to play in front of all your peers. And you could have family back home watch it because most games are going to be regionally covered. And so depending on where the game is played and, and what time is played, you don't necessarily have the opportunity to watch every game unless you have one of these packages that, that, that cable TV offers now. And so uh, Monday night and Sunday night, you were most definitely going to be seen by everybody. And you, you wanted to, to know what, 
weeks were going to be short for you and, and if you were going to play on Thanksgiving or, you know, how uh, the holidays were going to play out, you know, with, with Christmas on a Sunday or Saturday and, and you know, who were going to have the last two Saturday games, all those type of things. It's, it's always something. You can never uh, look at one thing, but you definitely want to see when the lights are going to be the brightest. And this is the first time that they actually have um, – have the schedule this late in the year because usually, you know, uh, before the draft, and now they're going to be cute in the schedule maker. Would he send the Houston Texans here in week one? See, the storyline for that, though, I mean, Bill O'Brien's no longer there. You don't know about Deshaun Watson. So I understand, this, Watton, I understand but it's not in Houston. And so I understand the storyline going in, but once the game kicks off, you know, I'm looking at Cardinals at the Browns as a big – primetime potential matchup and then for the second straight year b-train you got the cowboys on the schedule and big d i know how much we love the cowboys in the bertram berry household so potentially that might be a primetime affair i mean i would love to see the cardinals beat up on the cowboys in primetime and watch everybody see him get beat down as they usually do and so uh, kyler is going to be excited he gets to go back home and play in front of his hometown team but yeah anytime you watch the cowboys get embarrassed on, on, on national TV, it, it's always a good thing. So, yeah, I, I would love to see them on prime time smacking them around a little bit. What about on Thanksgiving Day, MJ? Hey, it's on Thursday night. Yeah, you don't want to play a lot of Thursday night games. You know, you get the benefit on the other side. How about Patrick Peterson? That's right. In week one against the Cardinals. That would be a pretty big matchup. <laughs> Cardinals, Vikings to open up week one, State Farm Stadium. Well, there are a number of intriguing matchups, and of course, we'll all be paying attention Wednesday, 5 p.m., and then of course, at 6 o'clock, tune in ESPN 620 AM, and of course, Cardinals YouTube and Facebook pages for the Big Red Rage with Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and special guest Buda Baker, 6 to 7 p.m. from Four Peaks Brewing Company in Tempe. By the way, fans are encouraged to attend. Go to azcardinals.com for more information. We will talk about the schedule next week right here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, for Mike Jarecki, I'm and Bertram Berry. I'm Craig Real. We'll talk to you next week here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.